And welcome to the latest edition of the Ain't Easy Being Green podcast, broadcasting to you live from the jewel of the Hudson Valley, Putnam Valley, New York. My name is Keith Farrell. I am joined, as always, by my colleague and co-host, the number one Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris, everybody. (laughs) The number one in the state of Texas. Off the heels of preseason game one. You know, Mike. Adam Gase was canned that first week of January. I think it was January 3rd. Seems like a million years ago to Jet fans at this point. You know why? Because subsequently after that, we brought in Robert Salah. We had a great draft. We brought in Zach Wilson. All these rookies have a bunch of hype. So much anticipation before this first game. That seems like a million years ago. Seems like a different era. Seems like a different regime, which it is. But it doesn't seem any way connected to the same year we're in, right? Because that first game yesterday with the preseason we had, actually the offseason we had with the draft, the offseason we have with the new coaching staff, with free agency, Joe Douglas finally getting to maybe put out there on the field what he wants in his mind the Jets to be for the first time. I think this preseason game had a lot of hype behind it, a lot of eyes on it. I know it's New York, so Zach Wilson, every single pass you throw is going to be put under the microscope. And can I say, Mike, I, the, the reviews, the reviews of our boy here after week one, nine passes. If you can look good in just throwing nine passes and not throwing a touchdown, he managed to do that. He was competent, moved the ball well, moved the offense down the field a couple of times, looked like a competent quarterback. You know, when they had that green and white scrimmage, Mike, when you go up against the same defense so often, I think it's difficult to go out there in a scrimmage. You kind of fool them. I know a lot of people say that too. You go up against a defense like the Giants have. And I know maybe the Giants in some places on the field, Mike, weren't playing all their starters. Don't get me wrong. But it is what it is. Zach Wilson, nine passes, slung six in there. Looked great to me, Mike. I know. I know you were excited. I know Jet fans are excited. I know writers were excited. I know his teammates were even saying a lot of great things. I know you can't get too ahead of yourself here, but what do you think? We're going to get into everything with, with the Jets here, but what everyone wants to hear about first is one Zach Wilson. Mike, how do you think he looked? What do you think about our boy after uh, his first quarter out there, his first two drives out there as a New York Jet? I haven't been as this excited since Sam Darnold's rookie season, just straight up from that very first year after Gase. I really wasn't like, I was like, all right, hopefully Sam's good, but I was, you know, not really as excited as Amp because Adam Gase and I was like, how far are we really going to get? But let me just say this, uh, you know, going into this game, there was a lot of pressure on one Zach Wilson. And, um, I, you know, the older I get and the more I'm, I'm part of this with the Jet, like, I understand like this whole media narrative thing. Like I, I, I'm actually sit back and I say, wow, you know, you and me, we're constantly always chipped in with Zach Wilson with the Jets, how they're doing every day, what's going on. You know what I'm saying? And we know that Zach came in a little later and then he started working with the first team offense and 
he was doing really, really good in the beginning. He had a really bunch of good practices and everything like that. And in the beginning, the thing is, is that the plays are kind of scripted. So when he was in there, like when he threw that pass to Elijah Moore, and we were all like, ah, that was a play that he already knew he was comfortable and, and so on and so forth. So sure, as sure. the practices progressed, they started installing more parts of the offense that he didn't know. And also, instead of walking through and understanding the play, they were rating it in, into his head. So now he had to make decisions instead of understanding the, the scripted play. And that's when you started seeing some of his practices go up and down a bit, up and down a bit. But it was mostly better good than bad. And I have the metrics against it. There were 12 practices, six or seven of them. He was really good. And the other ones, he was up and down. None of them that he was bad, right? So that was that's what was going on. But there was really no national narrative. And then came the green and white scrimmage, which he struggled in, not yeah. to where he was throwing interceptions or anything like that, but the, the offense looked a little sluggish and so on. And then what happens? We have uh, Ralph Vacchiano. We have Rich Semini. We have some of these you know, top high level, you know, uh, th those in the media who say Zach Wilson played bad or he did. And then all of a sudden, all that, all I had was to take was just that one practice. Cause that's what it was. It was a practice. It wasn't a yeah. game. It wasn't a, it was a practice, right? Yep. Then all of a sudden you start seeing all these shows. Oh, uh, I saw Marcellus Wiley like, oh, they don't really have, you know, grit and they don't fight in camp. And then then I saw this other Sean King like, oh, I'm telling you, Kellen Mond and Kyle Trask are going to be better than Zach Wilson. And and then Colin Cowherd, Zach Wilson's going to be a scrub. Just the whole media all week after that one tweet from Rich Semini, right, in his negative ass. Now Zach Wilson's a scrub. That's the narrative. Oh, we all knew. We all knew. We all knew. Right. This is how it works. Now, you and me, we know he's doing his thing in camp. We know he's not scrubbing it. If he was scrub, we, we remember Geno Smith in camp. We remember Christian Hackenberg in camp, right? God. Zach Wilson is playing with the first team. You know, and again, he's getting used to the calls coming into his head, making decisions, so on and so forth. So then we come to tonight, uh, uh, last night, right, when they play the Giants. And I was very impressed. I saw all the rookie quarterbacks. As you know, we have a SEFL draft, our, our dynasty. I'm looking to get two quarterbacks. One of them potentially could be Zach Wilson. I watched every single play of every single quarterback. I'm going to tell you right now, son. Not I'm not being biased. I'm not being a Jet fan. Zach Wilson looked the most comfortable. He looked the most efficient. Okay? And he made the best throws I saw of any rookie quarterback. Now, it was just two drives it wasn't anything crazy let's not get insane but i don't think i've ever seen sam darnold as comfortable as that in the pocket okay that the third downs and we're going to get into these plays here in a second he completed three third downs and one of them got called back for a holding yeah three third downs how i want you to think back into the years of sam sitting back in the pocket third and nine how many times he converted a first down you know what i'm saying for the pocket not running not crazy like you always look like you I, I was extremely impressed in what I saw from young Zach. And, you know, again, now all of a sudden, what did you see today? What did you see today? Colin Coward saying, well, you know, Zach may be a little bit, uh, may have some success early because of look at the schedule, trying to backtrack. Man. Scrub, man. I, this, this is why the narratives, man, I'm, I'm, it, gets, it just bothers me. And then all the fans are so, 
gullible and they listen not all of them excuse me guys i'm not trying to some not not aebg not, fans not AEBG of course none AEBG of them AEBG we're talking about all the rest of these fools but they, 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 they're like about. oh this guy is terrible and then you know and then guess what the first the first headline from practice zach wilson has a quiet showing that was the the yeah, headline yeah. in the post but what was justin fields lights it up his first camp trey lance <laughs> throwing bombs yeah, Tra yeah trevor lawrence oh he had a fumble but comes back with command yo zach wilson played better than trevor lawrence yep played better than trevor lawrence but but of course again it's narratives it's what people want the discussion to be you got to look past that you got to see it for what it really is okay so all in said i thought zach had a phenomenal game and I really enjoyed watching him play from the pocket against the New York Giants. Yeah, we're missing uh, Elijah Vera Tucker this game. No Elijah Moore out there either. But you saw him targeting Corey Davis more often than more often than not. I think there was two incompletes to Davis, two passes he was able to complete. One of them was on a first down. I think it was a nine-yard pass there right on that first drive. That's right. And that was a timing pass, laser beam pass to Davis, first down, which you're looking for. Uh, and another one of those third downs, like you said, Mike, uh, the Crowder that they had got a first down on did get called back. And if you remember the next play, 13-yard pass to Croft for Wilson. They almost got a first down there too. They still almost got the first down, even though they had a penalty. Under so, pressure. I mean, under pressure, exactly. They then one thing they showed in the game uh, or he showed at least they had some of those designed rollouts showing them throw the ball on the move which seems like they might do put him in his position to succeed we've said this a million times we're not reinventing the wheel here but in all sports this is what they try to do with young players that's what the jets seemed to do with zach wilson the other night and he did a pretty good job i saw one pass uh the pass to davis near the goal line there was a little shaky to me that could have been intercepted but luckily for him he's one of those guys that does throw the ball so hard that the defender and the receiver, that reaction time, you have, you have to be right on it. And it bounced off the defender. I know one pass, uh, Croft, one pass that was an incomplete for Zach there, Croft fell down on the route. That's not his fault there. Then one other pass that wasn't that great. But when you go through these first drives the Jets had, and we're going to get into the defense, guys. We're going to get into Bryce Huff and some of these other aspects of the game. Won't go too crazy. I know most of the time there was second and third tier guys in there. But those are the guys that when the year gets going, you're going to know their names. You know, you're going to know these Javelin Gidries. You're going to know some of these second and third tier guys as the year gets going because there's always injuries. Um, you need to have a good depth. And it seems like the Jets might be trending in that direction. Uh, but with the, the first beginning drive there, one thing you did see, Mike, in the whole night, I should say, is the Jets are going to run the ball. You know, we're going to run this ball. And I think uh, you draft the quarterback number two. It sounds very sexy. But like we said, if you want to put this kid in a position to succeed, then have it be second and six. You know, give us give us some some areas. Give us some some downs. You know he can throw on and take a shot like a second and six, a second and five, um, instead of more predictable situations like Sam seemed to always be in. We go to run the ball. It's second and nine. Now the other team's like, well, they're probably going to pass it. You know, I mean, we didn't, and that's all, that's our own fault. And I'm not saying the Jets ran the ball very well necessarily. I like how Ty Johnson looked. Um, I'm going to get into Carter in a second, Mike. I think P Ryan was got the ball a bunch in the second half. Didn't average too much. Was able to get a touchdown though. I like us to get more yards on the ground. Giants have a decent defense, but I think what you saw was that Ty Johnson, when he does get a chance here, and with these kind of zone running schemes we're going to be running, where he's going he's gonna to be able to get out in space, he looked pretty effective, Mike. And we're talking about Zach Wilson going through this first drive. Ty Johnson had a run there right at the beginning, 11 yards. Ty Johnson, another run for three yards. Then they put Carter in. Now, Carter had two runs there at the beginning. 
that were solid. I think he had about two five-yard runs and got a first down. After that with Michael Carter, Mike, we're just ABG fans. We're going to bounce all over the place here with this first game because there's so much to discuss. I just want to talk about Carter real quick, Mike, before I forget. After that, um, I was a little concerned just because of this. Obviously, if he gets in space, he's going to be pretty good. Even though you look at the 40 time, it wasn't crazy. Um, but I think he could generate yards. Mike, but when he had to go up into a hole in this game or when they when the Jets offensive line couldn't get a push for Carter in this game, all you saw was him just – he's not a big guy. He's 200 pounds, five foot nine. So you saw him go up in the hole and just get pushed right back. So when we're looking at him – and you didn't you didn't look at him necessarily as a guy you think is going to be getting 25 touches, I know. But some people did. And I just think we need to hit the brakes on that for now at least and let him get his bearings because not that he's too small. I'm not saying he's not. But in some of those runs, Mike, it looked like he couldn't power through there. And he might be somebody who's more ideal set up. His skill set's more ideal for a third down back as opposed to an every down back like a Ty Johnson – Probably going to be having a, a committee back there. But what do you think about the running game, Mike, especially early on there in the first quarter? Yeah, I mean, I agree with you, Carter. Uh, I was a little bit disappointed in what I saw from Carter there in the beginning. He did have two good five-yard runs from the beginning. And then after that, uh, it didn't look like he was really getting that push. He ended up on the night having seven carries for 22 yards at 3.1 a clip. You know, not too impressive, but he's a rookie and we'll see what happens. He did and he did get a reception for one reception for nine yards. And I think he's going to be more utilized in the flats going going forward. But I'm telling you, when they started this offense, their first play was to the left, a run to the left with Ty Johnson. He looked beast mode. He was able to push through. Uh, um, again, Keith said we may be a little bit all over the place here. But one of the big concerns I had, and I'll be honest, and maybe I shouldn't have had this concern, was around Makai Becton. And the reason why is because I hear every single practice that he's getting his ass beat by Carl Lawson. Every single practice. Sack, sack, sack. I'm like, man, is this guy a scrub? What is going on? He did great last season. What's the deal? So I saw, watched Makai Becton. I was actually watching him more than I was watching Zach in the beginning. I'll be completely real with you in that first one of those two drives. But his run blocking is elite. End of story. Now, I, I think his run blocking is definitely better than his pass blocking, but he did a good job in the pass blocking. I know that wasn't against the number one defensive line of the New York Giants, but what he was able to do on Saturday night to me, check the box. I said, okay, so he's 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 good. But from he a run blocking, good. from a run blocking perspective, phenomenal. And that's without ABT. And Ty Johnson just was having his way that very first play, 11 yards. And then, you know, that set up uh, Zach Wilson with a nice play to Corey Davis, like he said, and then Carter with the two five-yard runs. And then what happened is uh, there was a bad ball to Davis. That yeah. was one of Zach's bad balls. And then it was uh, third down and five and Zach through with anticipation, hit Corey Davis for nine yards and a first down. That throw, I said, okay, you know. Um, and then Johnson again hit two runs for seven yards which set up the field goal. So I'm saying that I think that this offense is going to be predicated on the run. And it looks like Ty Johnson and then maybe Trayvon, uh, Tevin Coleman are going to be the two main backs there with Carter in the flats. P. Ryan, potentially, he's been doing really well in camp. He looked pretty good with the second team. I'm I don't know. We'll see. I've been hearing a lot about P. Ryan. I think he's gonna make the team. Yeah. So it's too. gonna be a committee backfield. There's no gonna there's not gonna be anybody one super horse. Uh if there is, I think that would be potentially Ty Johnson. But yeah. Uh it seems like I Salah, it seems like I mean, it's not like he got the ball a lot, P. Ryan. It's not like he was that productive, but it seems like Salah and the coaches like him, and you've heard a lot of good things out of camp about P. Ryan, this tra training camp, Mike. 
Um, I think he's going to make the squad. I think, like you said, this committee approach to the running back, which is every team does, which they did in San Francisco, which if you're running a really good zone, if you have a really good zone running scheme or your offensive line itself is in sync, as long as you have a decent running back, you're going to be fine. And I think Ty Johnson, not that he's a sexy name a lot of people know about. We've talked about him here. Many podcasts have talked about him. Many Jet writers have talked about how he's probably an underrated guy. Uh, the second drive there when they got the ball back, if you remember, started that drive off. He had another 11-yard run. So, I mean, he showed he showed some flashes there, Ty Johnson. I think he's a guy that if he does get a chance to get out there and get the ball 15 times a game, um, he could average 70, 80 yards. And if he did it over 16 games, obviously that'd be a 1,000-yard guy. Probably underrated. I think Carter, I'm not I'm not trying to say Carter after one game, I'm thinking he's going to be a scrub or anything of that nature. Just the visual aesthetic of some of those runs uh, made me think about his size, which we've talked about here on the show before, and we'll see how that translates. Now, when it comes to those wide receivers, Mike, you know, we know Corey Davis looked decent. Denzel Mims, though. Denzel Mims <laughs> played this game uh, with, looked like a bit of a chip on his shoulder. He, I think he played seven or eight plays on special teams, which I did not anticipate happening. But I'll tell you what. If you want to make the team, you know, I'm, I'm not I'm not saying Denzel Mims is going to get cut. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying if you want to validate your spot, you know, and show the coaches, I'll do anything. I'll, I'll go on special teams. I'll play with second or third strings, even though I was a second round draft pick last year. Um, this is what you do. You know, you get out there like Denzel Mims did. And he was very, uh, obviously one catch and run he had was tremendous. He's making guys miss all over the place. And you see him out there against the second and third teamers from these other teams like the G-Men. And he did look a cut above those guys, Mike, to me. He looked like he looked like in the game, like he was, a, you know, a starting player playing with second and third round guys. As much as we criticize him, as much as his um, his role with the team is to be determined, I guess, you know, um, in this game, at least Denzel Mims out there went out there and was able to be productive. Put some good tape out there. Camp has been up and down for him, but um, I know that's a guy we're really rooting for here on AEBG. So I was happy to see him have a good game. I think something is really apparent to me with Denzel Mims. Denzel Mims is in the doghouse. He did something. I don't know what he did. It doesn't make any sense. I won't looking at the guy. I'm like, the kid has crazy talent. I mean, it, it, it's there. Now, let, let's be real. Let's bring, let's bring full circle Denzel Mims, right? Denzel Mims was drafted. We knew, you and me, we, dra we talked with, what's his name, from SB Nation. And what was his one weakness? His route running. And, we knew that from the... We knew Kendall Couch, shout out Kendall to Kendall Couch. Couch. Kendall Couch, shout out to Kendall Couch. <laughs> we ahead. talked about it. Yeah. His route running was his weakness, right? Yes, we yes. knew that from the get. Yes. He didn't go to his first training camp because of his hamstrings and then came in week seven. And essentially that rookie year was like a wash, essentially. Okay. Sure. So then he comes in this year, right? He has now in a new offense that he's going to need to learn. Um, we learn now that he ended up getting food poisoning and losing 20 pounds. We didn't even know that it was that serious. And, and then he went from running with the ones to running with the twos to then running with the threes. And everyone's like, well, what really is going on here? And so he's trying to catch up because of being sick. He's trying to start working on his route running in a system that needs route runners. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Which is True. a system not really right. And so... All of that still to me doesn't add up that the fact that this dude is running with the three with Josh Malone. Like that mm. still doesn't make any sense to me because the dude has talent, right? Yeah. So I have come to the conclusion that something happened. He said something, he did something that the coaches don't like. And he asked 
to play special teams to your point which is shows i i want to play i want he's trying to show the he's trying yep. to prove to the coaches he's a dog okay yeah so you know what he's gonna have to prove himself there's nothing you me or anyone else is going to be able to do i know us jeff fans we want to see him play but you know what these coaches know what the program they want to run and if he was being insubordinate or he did something then that's in-house he's gonna have to prove himself okay yeah. i'll be honest i work with people who i think are talented and there's people who've done things and i'm like you know what i'm i'm good like i'm gonna pick this person because i trust this person he may not be as good as you but i don't know if i could trust you 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 don't know if that happened or not so yeah that's that's a conclusion i had i thought mims had a phenomenal game again it was against the backups but he was showing you know that he he, he had what it takes and We'll see what happens in the next couple of games. Yeah, yeah, exactly, man. That's an interesting take on it, Mike, because it does seem a little weird um, that he was running. He didn't get any burn, really, with the first team. You saw Vincent Smith out there was getting burned with the first team. <clears throat> um, and that's not a name that we've necessarily heard above Denzel Mims on the depth chart, you know? We've heard Keelan Cole. We've heard all these other names mentioned. Um, obviously, Corey Davis is, is the guy with the biggest contract. Elijah Moore was our big-time draft pick. Crowder has is a proven veteran in the NFL. Very good player. All those guys we've heard mentioned maybe ahead of Mims. Vincent Smith wasn't one of those guys. You know, I'm, I'm just, just to your point, man, it, it's very interesting. But I think, you know, like you said, if you want to earn your spot back, if you want to validate where you were picked, and if you want to prove that you do or you can function in this offense, which is a new offense. For instance, if this was the offense last year, they might not have drafted Denzel Mims, Mike. You know, it might not be a player that fits with what they're doing on paper, at least. Six foot three, can run a, with his speed and his size and everything like that. You find a way to make it work with him. I totally get it. But he might not have been someone on the squad if they knew this was going to be offense last year or if we had a competent offense at all. But it's interesting to see what happened with Mims. And also, some of these other guys we're talking about on defense that flashed in this game. Now, last year, Bryce Huff was a rookie, played 14 games, had a couple sacks, had games that we'd watch where you'd be like, wow. There's a quarter or two where Bryce Huff looked really good. Mike would talk about him. Mike was big high on him last year. This game, and I know, Mike, he was going against some of these reserve dudes, but at the beginning of the game, they had the starting offensive line in the game, okay, to protect Glennon. So, and at least how I'm looking at it is that Huff was going up against their top guys in the offensive line, got a sack right away when the game started. The game started, the first three plays was C.J. Mosley tips the ball when Tipped they passed it, it right? Mm -hmm. Great play by him, and, and C.J. Mosley, I thought, played really well in this game. The next play, Rankins up the middle, almost decapitated long neck. I know you saw that, Mike, okay? Then the third play, Bryce Huff gets in there, and I don't I don't know who it was off the edge, the other edge, off the top of my head, I forget. Someone else almost got there, too. And Huff got in there, got the sack. If they're going to generate anything in the realm of a decent pass rush, just with four four guys, Mike, or if rushing five guys, then like we've hoped this whole time, these young, these young guys we have in the secondary, they're not going to be under as much pressure. You know, that's what this defense is geared towards. And hopefully it's going to play out a lot like what we just saw. I know the Giants did not have a lot of guys in. They didn't have a lot of their starters. And don't get me wrong. You have to like at least what you saw on defense. Even some guys like uh, like our boy Marshall, late pick, ended up being uh, playing really well. And I think the defense played pretty good. I think in the second, the second half against their second string guys, the defense played well too. When you look at the numbers on the team numbers, Jets and Giants, I mean, Jets 21 first down, Giants 11. Jets had 12 passing first downs. Giants only had three first downs passing the entire game. They only finished with 163 yards on the day. So if you're a Giant fan, I know people say this is just the preseason. You wanted your team to get more than a buck 60 yards. You want to see more from your team. 
Um, I thought the defense played good, Mike. A bunch of guys stood out. What do you think on the defensive side of the ball? What do you got to say about Gangreen? Right off the top, that defensive line looks scary, man. They took Lawson out after the first series. And I noticed, you know, they were getting penetrations, like you said. And I see Bryce Huff coming in there just causing havoc. John Franklin Myers on the second possession almost caused a fumble. Yeah, you know, I'm I meant to mention that. Yep. Line and I'm saying to myself, yo, they don't even have Quinn in yet. They don't even have Q. And they're about to add, have Lawson, Q. And they, they, they even their entire defensive line isn't even fully healthy yet. I know. And they're looking like this. Okay, it's 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 something to behold, man. This is this is exciting stuff. And then looking at the linebackers, my goodness, you know, you got C.J. Mosley out there and uh, Jared Davis looking pretty well, and then Hamzel Nazaldeen. Oh, uh, the fumble! Yeah, the fumble. Had a couple other big hits. Now I was like we what? were talking about when the, when we did our draft, Michael, and we got into these mini camps, and we talked about the weak side linebacker position. Jamie and Sherwood, Nazaldine seemed like that's what the Jets were hoping for. Is one of those guys could fill that hole at least for one game. Nazaldine looks like the real deal, man. Playing that weak side linebacker was able to get in there, and make some tackles, cause some issues, and like you said, there's no Quinn. Quinn Williams is one of the best defensive players in the league, okay? So we didn't have him. He's not even playing yet, okay? Lawson, we just gave people a taste a taste of Lawson. All you've heard, I know, Mike, Rich Samini can be very negative, I understand. His player of the camp so far is Carl Lawson, and he yeah. said it's not, he said it, as you know, Mike, you're, you're, you're probably- It's not even close. And Mike said, Mike, and Mike, you said the same thing to me. It's not even close. Not even close. And he's going up against Makai Becton, who we know- I'm not saying Makai Becton is a Pro Bowl tackle yet. Makai Becton's pretty good, pretty big. So that's the only reason why with Becton getting burned by Lawson, it seems like a lot in brackets. Like, well, at least Lawson seems like he's just in the zone right now. I mean, that dude seems like he is in the zone right now. And he didn't play much, but the Jets were able to create a pass rush. Secondary didn't play that bad. We saw our boy Javelin Gidry make a big play in there. Uh, like we said, Nasruddin was able to get in there, cause some issues. Marshall, late pick in the draft. Six rounder causing problems for people too. So Safeties? there's a lot of guys. There's a lot of guys that we have on this defensive line. Jonathan Franklin Myers, a Bryce Huff. I mean, these are dudes that unless you're a Jet fan and you're a psycho listening to this podcast, like you are, if you listen to a Jet podcast, um, you don't. Teams don't know about these guys. NFL players do, but your your buddies don't know when you go to work. These Giant fans don't know, and you're going to tell them one day. You're going to say, Bryce Huff, watch, watch. This guy's going to get ten sacks this year because Salah. I mean, yo, he is high. Salah, some of the things he was saying about Huff after the game, Mike, about how he came into the offseason really serious, transformed his body. I mean, I know these superlatives, and Salah is a very positive coach, we know. We know he a lot of positive sound bites you get out of him about his players, and that's why players dig him. But what he was saying with what I heard um, him say about Huff was this is someone that came in knowing my spot's not guaranteed. Okay, I'm trying to become a first teamer. And he said this kid's played so good in, in camp, it's hard to deny him running out there with the ones, which he did. And he looked more than formidable. So if Bryce Huff wants to go ahead and become a problem too, Mike, and we have Q, and we have Jonathan Franklin Myers, and we have Rankins, and in the middle you have, you know, uh, our boy Mosley running around and Nasruddin's going to be a factor, and Davis out there, Gerard, Gary Davis just played adequately. Then, and, and, and let me give you some kudos. Let me give you some kudos. I don't think that is, is a question to me who the second best cornerback for the New York Jets is, and that is going to be our boy, Austin. Um, th th he's just 
going to be the 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 guy Eccles and and Pinnock. Those guys are, you know, they're they're good. I mean, I don't we'll know. Even, I don't know if one of them is going to make the team or not. Isaiah Dunn. But I, I, I definitely think we have our starting cornerbacks. I don't know if they're going to be the cornerbacks for the future. But yeah. Bryce Hall, you know, um, they, that those two are going to end up being our, our starters. And, yeah, and you look at it, uh, you look at the secondary, Mike Austin's the most experienced guy in the secondary, and he's, he's started 16 games yeah. uh, at corner. So um, I think it might be the same type of situation that I said with Bryce Bryce Hall, where by default, Hall and Austin probably are the best guys now in the middle of August that we have. We'll see what happens as the year goes on. Someone could flash. Some of these guys could improve. Someone, Isaiah Donner, maybe Carter, one of these guys becomes a top-level corner. But as of right now, I think those are our two best guys. Yeah. That's why a few months ago, I was just – I hadn't seen – in my mind, at least, um, I wasn't saying Austin is an elite corner. I was just saying for what we had on the squad – um, I didn't see anyone that was going to leapfrog him, but you, you still a lot of time left before the season starts too, Mike. So we'll see what happens with that. I, I didn't see anybody else. I saw Gidry make one good play in there. I Gidry saw did. Gidry, in yeah, that break. first defensive, he broke exactly. up a play. He did broke really up a play, well. played yep, well. Yep, yep. And you know, to be honest, the Giants they couldn't really get anything going on offense. And I I know it was our defense, but I also think it was a byproduct of just their second and third string guys couldn't get anything done. Um, they weren't they had no really rhythm on offense at all. And then, of course, the Jets caused that too. But man, when it comes when it comes to the end of the day. And the smoke clears. I mean, the main takeaway from this game, from a preseason game, like we said, guys, it's preseason, but there's only three preseason games for most teams this year. I know we're all used to kind of discounting that first preseason game and the results or anything that happens within it. However, only three games this year. So um, the coaches are trying to get as much tape and as much in as they can in these beginning games, in these in this first game especially, and I did like how Zach Wilson looked. That was kind of my biggest takeaway from the whole thing. Yeah. Names, Michael. Um, the hopefully, two, Keith, the two highest rated offensive players according to PFF: Zach Wilson, eighty three point five; Denzel Mims, eighty point three. There you go. Top two. There you go. I mean, Jeff, I mean, Jeff fans. I mean, Jeff fans love to hear that. <laughs> oh, they you love know? to. Jeff it. fans they love to hear love that. Some Mims. And they if, love if some we Zach. if we could, I mean, you try to you try to think of how this could play out this year and. You know, we went through our projections, Mike, and we went through the schedule and what we thought. I think we, me and you were both around like around seven wins, um, seven, eight wins for the team this year in the 17-game schedule. But if the defense gets to a place where they're surprising people, and I think more than even the offense, I think the defense can actually really go out and surprise some people this year. Because I think with Quinn Williams and Mosley and uh, some of the other pieces that we have, I think people just look at the secondary and the holes we have and they go, oh, people are just going to light the Jets up passing the ball. And they might be right. They might be right, Mike. But I think if this, like like C.J. Mosley said after this game, which is a quote that I just love, was if you take this team lightly, you're going to come in and get your asses blown out. That's what C.J. Mosley said, which, first of all, he loved confidence. I love that he came back after only playing, God, two games or one game in two years for the Jets. And, you know, it was like, yeah, I'm ready to go. He's hyped. And he I, seems like somebody along with a Morgan Moses type, Mike, that you know is just a leader. going to be a leader on the squad there on defense. And I'm hyped, man. I mean, I know it's only nine passes, but I remember when we watched the first preseason game with Sam Darnold, he threw an interception. We don't want to do this, Jet fans. We don't want to, we don't want to see what we just saw on TV and give in to, oh my God, I think this guy's gonna be good. I think this guy's the real deal. Cause it's only nine passes. It's preseason. I get it. And we're so used to getting ahead of ourselves 
And with Jet fans, what happens? We get let down. We get disappointed. We had Mark Sanchez. We had Sam Darnold. We had other seasons, other disappointments. We know how it is, guys. So we're conditioned as Jet fans psychologically to see Zach Wilson in those first two drives. And even though the rest of the world, the people that are being objective that are not Jet fans are like, wow, he looked really good, man, slinging the ball, this and that. Some Jet fans are like, ah, whatever, man. It's just, it's one game. It's preseason, this and that. Don't do that to yourselves, guys. Don't do it to yourselves. Give in. Give in to it because we're about to go on a ride here. The Jets, okay? Okay, we're we're all these people that have been talking smack, Mike, all the all the Patriot fans you've had to deal with all these years, all these arguments you've been in, all our giant fan friends, all these arguments we've been in with them, the back and forth, the sniping, the petty shots at the squad that people take at us all the time, Mike. All of that. <laughs> I'm not saying it doesn't exist. It exists. It's, it's part of what makes us Jet fans. It's part of what Jets history is all about. But guess what? I got a funny feeling that's gonna change. And I got a funny feeling that it has. Not been easy to be green for a long time, Mike, but not. I got a funny feeling that in the future, this next turn we're about to take is about to be a positive one. And we're no homers. We're no half glass full guys. We're no guys that are rah-rah. We have been sitting here bashing the Jets, just like all you Jet fans listening right now. Every time they needed to get bashed, we bashed them. Every time they've done something good, we're here. We're here for you because Jet fans got your back and so did me and Mike. But we're not unrealistic. When we come to our projections, how we think things are going to go with this squad. And I can say, I feel good, Mike. I feel good. I feel good, too. I haven't Uh felt this way in a long time. And this is what it's all about. This is what's being a fan. This is what it is to be a Jet fan. And I love it, man. I wouldn't be, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I just want to say one thing before we get out of here, Mike. Um, 12-7, Jets W. The first, it doesn't matter, but the first game of the Salah era, W. I feel good about it. Makes me feel good. Okay, we got a good vibes coming out of the game. Um, no injuries too, Mike, which is tremendous coming out of the game. No one got hurt in the game. I do want to say before we sign out, we know we got Green Bay next week. We're not going to really preview that too much. We're going to talk to you guys after that game and chop it up with you. But uh, this week, Joe Walton passed away, former Jet head coach. Uh, he played seven years in the NFL coached the Jets from 1983, I believe, till 1989. And, you know, the first coach, I'm 40 years old. Uh, me and Mike are the same age. The first coach Mike and I can remember, like my memory of the Jets starts with Joe Walton as the coach. Right. And I remember being five and six years old. And when I was a Jet fan, when I first started rooting, the Jets were good. Because in 85, they made the playoffs. 86, they made the playoffs. So, you know, with Ken O'Brien back there. So that's why Ken O'Brien always had a spot in my heart. Joe Walton, too. I know by 89, um, they went 4-12. and 12, They let him go. Bruce Costley came in. But, you know, my first childhood coach, the first coach I can remember coaching the Jets was Joe Walton. Had a great career. Went on to coach Robert Morris College after that um, for almost two decades. Had a, had a great record there. So I just want to say uh, condolences to his family, uh, Jet Nation, and uh, ABG. Definitely wants to send condolences out. I know that there's not a lot of Jet coaches in the annals of the Jet world, Michael, that we can mm. look back and say had a great tenure. But Joe Walton did make the playoffs twice, right? He did. After him was Coslett and Merrill and then Rich Kotite before Parcell. So he righted the ship there for a little while for us, and he deserves the credit. And I just want to say uh, condolences to him and the family. Same here. And uh, one of the definitely one of the first Jet coach I remember when I was a little boy, you know, rooting for the green and white. So may you know may he rest in peace. Our thoughts and prayers are with his family. Absolutely. And that's it for this week, guys. We got Green Bay coming up next week. I think Zach Wilson is going to play probably the whole half, I bet you. We'll have a lot more to talk about. That'll be fun. We'll see the progression of our boy here. If anyone does want to get at us, Michael, support us or be involved in the ABG world in any way, shape, or form, how can they do that? Hey, guys. 
please check us out on YouTube. Give us a like, give us a listen. Please give us a follow, share our content. We love it uh, when everybody, you know, gives us comments and content uh, feedback. We really appreciate it. Uh, on Apple iTunes, please give us a like rating. Um, we're on Facebook at AEBG.JetsRadio, on Twitter at AEBG underscore NYJ podcast. And we're on Instagram at Jet.AEBG. You heard the man on behalf of the biggest Jet fan in the state of Texas, Michael Lagaris. My name is Keith Farrell. Get at you next week, everybody. Peace out.